This talk is brought to you by iBiology.org, and this audio was taken from a video available on our website. Hello everyone, my name is Maria Mota. I'm a scientist and also the executive director of Instituto Medicina Molecular in Lisbon, Portugal. I'm also an invited professor of the Medical School University of Lisbon. So I'm here today to present some of our data that has been developed in our lab. To start with, I always like to think of a sentence that was shown to me by a student of mine. Rainy season should fill us with joy, not malaria parasites. But I will come back to, you, to that. So, basically, what is malaria? Malaria is a disease that is caused by a protozoan parasite called plasmodium. And this disease only starts when these parasites reach the blood and infect red blood cells. But in fact, today in this talk, I will not be talking about this stage. In fact, what I'm going to be talking is about something that happens before. When the mosquito transmits this parasite, this parasite obligatory needs to go to the liver and infect hepatocytes. And inside of each of these hepatocytes, one parasite gives rise to 10,000, 30,000 new parasites. The question that we have started to ask in our lab since 2002 has been really why are liver and hepatocytes so special? And why do we have this question? We have this question because these malaria parasites really obligatory need to go to these liver cells to produce the new stage that then will go to the blood and cause disease. But most importantly, we know that some of these parasites also infect other cells. We know that some of these parasites probably also are deposited in the skin and infect skin cells. But within these cells, each parasite only replicates probably in dozens or maybe a couple of hundreds of new parasites, never reach this level of replication. So indeed, hepatocytes and hepatocytes in the liver must have something special that allows this replication. Of course, we know that parasites, when reach the liver, also migrate, traverse different cells. It traverses also in the skin, then in the liver. So it might be looking for something or it might be random. We don't know. What we know is that when reach this cell, is able to really... Uh, uh, replicates in thousands and thousands of new parasites. If it uses different routes or if it really uses one and is selecting a different uh, hepatocyte or a specific hepatocyte, we don't know. But what we know is that for the last 17 years, really us and many other groups around the world have been using different technologies to answer in different ways, but in some way, this very big question. And the truth is that we have not been successful yet, but we have learned a lot. Just to give you an idea, we really want to understand how these tiny, tiny parasite that reaches a liver cell, you know, really starts to modify and in a few hours starts to replicate and replicates into these thousands of new parasites. We have used transcriptomics, uh, proteomics, lipidomics to really find some of the players here. We have also used functional assays and phenotypic screens, both RNA interference and drug screens to answer these. And the truth is that we have started to put together some of the pieces of the puzzle. And this is just a very, you know, uh, uh, broad idea of things that have been published on the last uh, 15, less than 20 years. But in fact, the true is that we don't have still the answer why our liver and hepatocytes so special and allow this huge replication rate. So, 
I'm going to give, show you a story that we have produced in the lab that, in fact, under this huge umbrella and this big question, we start to make observations that lead us to other types of questions. And, in fact, everything and you know relates to this amazing picture. This is a real picture of a liver section with a confocal microscope that basically what you see is just the DNA staining. So you see the nuclei of every single cell in this liver section, and in in the middle, you see this magnificent parasite replicating. The volume of the cell that accumulates this parasite even needs to increase to allow this parasite to go through this. So, basically, this uh, kind of image and the majority of images that are published about this really give the idea that nothing touched this. The parasite is able to replicate without being touch. And in fact, this stage is called the silent stage initially because it doesn't cause symptoms, disease doesn't appear still when the parasite is infecting the liver, but also with time came the concept that just because the mosquito transmits a few parasites, the parasite is never being touched by the immune uh, system of the host, is never being recognized. But in fact, we know that this picture is not the only one possible. In fact, we know that some parasites sometimes are really surrounded by cells that typically are not in the liver but really become infiltrated and surround this parasite. We were not the first ones to show this. In fact, in 91, the laboratory of Jerome van der Beek has shown a picture similar to this one. And in 2005, the laboratory of Volker Usler, in fact, has quantified these infiltrates and show that, in fact, basically what he has shown is that up to 10% of infected hepatocytes could have this. Why we became interested? We were studying host-parasite interactions, and in fact, I should say that we were not looking for immune system or for the immune responses. But while we were studying these host-parasite interactions, we discovered that one molecule of the host, an enzyme, emoxygenase 1, that degrades him, was working like a kind of a shield around the parasite. Why we say that? Was it working as a shield because basically was seemed to be protecting the parasite from these infiltrates. In fact, when we used mice that were deficient for this enzyme, emoxygenase 1, basically we saw these huge infiltrates surrounding, you know, probably all infected hepatocytes. In fact, we really rarely saw, uh, you know, intact infected hepatocytes. So we became interested in this because basically this was showing that indeed, contrary to a dogma, plasmodium, even if it was uh, infection with just a few parasites, was really detected while expanding in the liver. But of course, this also raises a lot of questions. Raise how this response was mounted, how the parasite was being recognized, but and what kind of response was this? Was this response efficient? Because in a way, the parasite was still able to make it. So all these questions we start to answer, and you can have very, very good questions in a lab, but in fact, you need to have the tools on how to approach these questions. And a very important tool is, in fact, a brain capable of thinking on how to approach these questions. And by a coincidence, although our lab was not a lab working on immunity, on immune response, basically I had around this time that we were making these discoveries, a fellow that wanted to join our team. Peter Lille contacted me and he wanted to join our team, but he never worked on malaria before. 
but you work on Drosophila, the fruit fly, but you work on the innate immune response of this, uh, of this organism. And, and basically, when I show him these observations, he became extremely enthusiastic and told me, Maria, I think this is going to be an easy project. I think we can go around it. And basically showed me this drawing, showing that, you know, how our cells have ways of detecting um, different microbes, different organisms that obviously have patterns that are different from a microorganism to one to another. And our cells have these receptors that in fact are called pattern recognition receptors that recognize either in the cytoplasm of the cells, in different organelles of the cell, or in the plasma membrane, if they are being attacked or if they can find some intruder. I said, so this is going to be easy, but so how, how can we approach this? And again, he designed a very simple experiment. He came to me and said, we are going to use the models, the rodent models that you use in the lab, and infect them with plasmodium parasites coming out of the salivary glands of the mosquito, they would go to the liver. And we have mice as control that would not be infected. And we just take the livers out of, throughout different time points, and basically we see what response is being mounted in the entire liver. And to be honest, at that time, immediately I told him, I think this is impossible. You know that a mosquito would transmit probably 10, maybe 100 maximum uh, parasites to the liver. If only, even if we remove parasites from the salivary glands of the, these mosquitoes and we inject them, you know, we can inject probably 20,000, 50,000 uh, parasites. This is nothing compared to the size of the liver. The liver has 10 to the 9 hepatocytes, many more endothelial cells, telite cells, you name it. So how come you are going to detect a kind of response of something that happens just in a few cells? But Peter was stubborn and he decided to do the experiment. At that time, we were doing microarrays to detect a transcriptomic response. And basically, a few weeks later, he came to me and said, Maria, we found it. And basically showed to me that out of 35,000 transcripts possible to be changed, 65 were induced significantly induced. And I should say that at that time I said, Peter, I'm sure that this is noise. This is just the background of something that is happening, but, you know, is nothing. And he said, I don't think you are right. I think you are wrong because basically all these genes belong to one single pathway of innate immune response and it's type 1 interferon response. I said, well, what a coincidence? Maybe it's not a coincidence. But then the question for me was still, how come we are detecting this? He was injecting 50,000 sporozoids. Uh, these parasites had come out of the salivary glands of the mosquito. How come you can detect this in the entire liver? I said, oh, it's simple, Maria. It's simple because this response is propagated. In fact, the parasites in this, this response in some kind of cell, but then this response that doesn't get confined to that uh, cell. This response, the cytokine that is produced, type 1, inter the type 1 interferon, interferon alpha, is produced and is secreted out of the cell and then really propagates this response to neighboring cells that again propagate to the next one. So it's a kind of a wave of propagation. And that propagation depends on one receptor that is um, if not half a receptor. So I thought, okay, if that is true, if you really can block then this response, the uh, 
response will not propagate, so we will not be able to detect. And in fact, is what Peter did. He used exactly the same transcriptomic approach, but this time he used mice that are deficient in uh, this receptor, and so the response was not propagated anymore and could not be detected anymore. So it seems that we really were finding that indeed the parasite was being detected by the innate immune response, and we knew what kind of response was this. Of course, new questions arise. And one of the questions that arise is, which cells then propagate this response? Can we use this system? Can we understand exactly what is going on? And we did, again, a very uh, easy experiment. Basically, we had mice that were infected with these parasites. For this system, we were using a rodent malaria parasite that is Plasmodium bergei, ANCA, Okay. We also show that the same happens with the Plasmodium oellis, another rodent malaria parasite. And basically, what he was doing, Peter, was basically taking primary hepatocytes and non-parenchyma cells, dividing them, and see what the response was there, looking for this transcriptomic response. Here, what you see in this graph now here is basically a selection of genes. We use five genes of a general readout for this type 1 interferon response that was selected based in our microarray and basically, what basically we show is that hepatocytes seem to be the ones that really, you know, were inducing the response. The response was induced there, but not non-parenchymal cells. But then something very interesting started here. In fact, what happened is that we had to use many different tools that are spread around the world in many different labs, labs that work on innate immunity, mice that are deficient in different pathways of innate immunity. And I start to uh, ask all these people uh, if they would be willing to collaborate with us, but I would make, obviously, a kind of a summary of the results that we had until then. And everyone was happy with all the results except with this specific one. Basically, when I was telling them that were hepatocytes that were propagating the response and not the non-parenchymal cells, they told me, Maria, something must be wrong, but because it must be macrophage that would be propagating the response. So we really were thinking, wow, okay, so how can we be definitive if this uh, is true or not? And basically, what we did then, it was just to use ifnar flux mice that we cross with albumin cream mice. So basically, what we would have is just only hepatocytes will not have this receptor, but every other cell in our in the mouse uh, uh, body would have uh, this receptor. So every single cell would be able to uh, propagate the response except hepatocytes. And again, what the results show is that while in control mice, if not flux mice, but for which the, the gene itself has not been uh, excised in hepatocytes, basically the response is still there. In mice that this uh, gene has been excised from hepatocytes, basically the response was not there anymore. And so this was a really definitive response that indeed in the malaria infection, liver stage infection, basically are the hepatocytes that propagate the response. Well, to be honest, some of our collaborators were still skeptical at that time. And so we even used a different tool to show that it was the, the case. So in fact, what we have shown is that downstream of this receptor, we know that there is a set of molecules that are upregulated, are uh, ISGs. And basically, we use one of these ISGs, if it one, Laxed, reporter mice. Basically, Laxed is under the control of the promoter of if it one, and so probably the 
the cells that really have this response, that are propagating response, light up. And again, what we could easily show is that where hepatocytes and not other cells, non-parenchymal cells that were lighting up with the uh, plasma liver stage infection. So these definitively show that indeed are the hepatocytes that propagate the response. So, of course, then comes the question. So if the parasite is being detected by innate immune response, is this innate immune response capable or not of killing plasmodium parasites and plasmodium-infected hepatocytes? And the truth is that, of course, we know the infection goes still in wild-type mice. We know that the response is induced, but still the parasite somehow is able to go through it. But also the true and what the results show is that if we use if not deficient mice, again, mice that are deficient for this receptor and the response cannot be propagated, basically we have up to two, threefold increase in the uh, parasite load. So indeed, the infection, the, the innate immune response is still capable of killing some parasites, of killing infected hepatocytes that would not make, be able to make through, but the vast majority is uh, still able to do it. Okay? Of course, all these observations and, you know, all these studies started by one simple observation, that was these infiltrates that will really surround some of infected hepatocytes. So we thought, is really these infiltrates that really initiated this study are really, you know, uh, a consequence of this innate immune response or not? And so basically, as I told you, the laboratory of Volk Usler has in 2005 already quantified what was the percentage of uh, infected hepatocytes that were surrounded by these uh, infiltrates, and basically did exactly the same throughout infection, quantifying this percentage in both wild type and mice that are deficient for the uh, type 1 interferon response, that they are deficient for these IFNAR. Uh, and basically what we show is that these infiltrates are really totally dependent of this response. Whether these infiltrates are the ones killing and eliminating the parasite, or are just there already to clear some Something that has been killed already, we still don't know these days. Okay? But of course, then we want to see how is this response induced inside of the hepatocyte. What exactly is going on there? And of course, there is many pathways that lead to type 1 interferon response. And, you know, I'm going to tell you a very long story that took several years and many different transgenic mice to answer this question. And basically what we think is that, you know, the whole cell seems to uh, be detecting plasmodium RNA, because at least one adapter molecule of our host cells that is necessary to really, you know, bind to receptors that detect um, different RNAs, basically what we show is that the response doesn't exist uh, anymore, always uh, significantly reduced. We don't know if it's only plasmodium RNA, probably it's not. The laboratories of uh, Stefan Kapp has shown that probably plasmodium DNA is also, but what we know and have shown is that plasmodium module RNA can induce this response. We have shown that this response depends partially of one specific RNA receptor uh, or sensor, and is MDA5, but is not the only one, must not be the only one, and we don't know how it is, uh, what other sensors are there and would be detecting the presence of the parasite. But interestingly, also we don't have an explanation how plasmodium RNA would be really available for these sensors to detect.
The parasite, as I told you, uh, infects hepatocytes. But in fact, when it infects hepatocytes, it's surrounded by a membrane that we call parasitophorous vacuole membrane. And so it's uh, surrounded by this membrane sitting in the cytoplasm. So exactly how plasmodi RNA reaches the cytoplasm and is used by you know, these sensors to induce a response, we don't have any idea. Could be active transport, could be destruction of some parasites. You know, there are many different hypotheses that are being now tested by us and different laboratories uh, around the world. So, basically, what I think we have shown is that hepatocyte sensors activate innate immunity against liver infection. We finished with a dogma that was saying that, you know, parasite was not being detected in the liver stage, and I think we have shown that indeed it is. The laboratory of Stefan Kapp also had follow-up on this and show similar type of findings, uh, findings with uh, different type of approaches, and uh, of course now different labs are working on this, and ourselves are also so we're able to show that indeed this response was not only important to control probably a small proportion of the parasites on the first infection, but probably in reinfection. If a reinfection occurs when the parasites reach the liver and this innate immune response has been there, uh, you know, uh, it's really this response is able to control the parasite much efficiently as been shown here. But of course, this opens a lot of questions, okay? These observations now opens exactly how the response is induced, how the plasmodic RNA, but also opens a lot of questions to understand, can we really manipulate this response? Can we use this in our favor? Should this response be manipulated or be controlled during an immunization, during a vaccination against malaria? How exactly, you know, this could be used in the future? Ourselves, we are very much interested in one particular question. Is the fact that now the liver infection is really not that silent? In fact, when the parasite, after leaving the liver and going to the blood and infect red blood cells and cause disease, you know, is like already a secondary infection. The host has seen already the parasite, has already mounted a response against this parasite. Yes, it's true, it's a different stage of the parasite, but there is, must be many common uh, molecules and, you know, and we know that they are. So we really would like to understand if, does, if this liver infection, the existence of liver infection and the fact that host responds to liver infection preconditions the host response in the subsequent blood stage infection. And of course, if there's this in blood stage infection, and if also it affects then when the parasite is again transmitted to a, a new mosquito. These would be the type of questions that we will be answering after the study. And of course, you know, I mentioned many different aspects of, uh, you know, studies that were being done in the last 17 years. And of course, the different, many different teams that we went through our lab, many different, uh, you know, member teams were really important for this. Of course, I cannot, uh, you know, forget to uh, really uh, thank the, the people that have funded us, but also Peter Lill, that was really a very important piece uh, and tool uh, to understand the questions that we had at that time in the lab. And of course, uh, my most recent team, that is always a joy to work with them. And of course, we cannot forget that although we work on very basic aspects of false plasmodic interactions, we also work on a disease. And a very special disease because it's a disease that afflicts millions of people around the world. So, our goal is also a common goal, that the knowledge produced in our lab one day will be used and really will be used for 
to people to enjoy raining season without malaria parasites. Thank you very much. I hope you have enjoyed uh, our work. Visit us at iBiology.org for more free talks from the world's top scientists. This talk was brought to you with support from the National Science Foundation, the National Institute of General Medical Sciences, the European Molecular Biology Laboratory, and the European Molecular Biology Organization.